have to build savings mm. into your budget. If you don't put savings to your budget, now I know most of you are thinking, how can I save when I'm upside down? Here's the reality. If you don't begin to save, you will never, ever get out of debt. Welcome to Getting Money Right, a show dedicated to helping you achieve financial freedom through education and inspiration so you can be free to pursue your true life's purpose. We're your hosts, David Thompson and Leo Sabo, and in the next few episodes, we're going to continue our series on dealing with debt. So in the last episode, we talked about some of the false starts and some of the struggle that we have with debt here in America. And then we began to knock out basically all the little things that tend to hold people back from actually accomplishing true debt freedom, the the pitfalls, the ideas that are marketed to us that aren't actually the best way. And in this episode, we're going to spend some time talking about the real ways to remove debt from your life. In the last episode, we talked about why it's important to really ask yourself, how did I get here? To really look at the fact that debt doesn't just happen, that there are certain things that we do that get us there. And sometimes it is an emergency. Sometimes it's our own impulse buying, something that we're not willing to wait for. And we just go ahead and buy it. And then we hope to be able to pay it. And we have good intentions, but over time, it just begins to, to add up. We also talked about some of the statistics that so many people are caught into debt. Um, it's almost a normal hmm. thing today to mm-hmm. be in debt. In fact, it's weird to be completely out of debt. And some people will argue that some debt is good. I don't know about that. Hmm. But ultimately, our desire through these episodes is to really equip you and help you to understand that you can get out of debt and that you can do it yourself. We talked about debt consolidation and how when you hire someone to do this for you, there are both consequences, there's some negative uh, byproducts of that, but it also, it's going to cost you both time and money. If you do it yourself, sure, it's going to be harder, but we believe that when you do something on your own, not only can you do it, but at the end of it, you'll actually gain the ability to say, I did it. You'll grow in some way. Uh, you'll be able to grow yourself knowing that you're able to tackle this and do it on your own. And I think that's really, really important. It's not for everybody. There are a few exceptions. If you're you know, in your 80s and you're a widow, uh, this is probably not a battle you want to take on. But for most of us, this is something that's really important because it will take you through a process that will help you to understand debt from a perspective you need to have yeah. so that you stay away from it because yeah. it's really never, ever good for you. And Leo and I have both experienced debt mm-hmm. and we both experienced the pain of it. Uh, I had 20 plus thousand dollars of debt. My wife, Ashley, had uh, 25,000 plus dollars of debt. And so when we got married, we were able to completely eliminate it and remove it. But we experienced debt individually sure. and together. And so uh, we're not coming from a place of, of thinking that we're perfect or that you know we don't make financial mistakes. We experience this pain. And so our heart, having removed debt from our lives, is to come around and help other people get excited about removing debt from their lives. So don't feel any condemnation or shame. Uh, We care about you. We want to help you. Uh, We're going to give you some tips. We do recognize that sometimes things come up that you probably never could have predicted that end up tacking debt into your life. Well, we're going to start to teach some ways to predict, to put plans in place, and to remove debt quickly. Yeah, that's really good, David. So I think the place to start is really look at what causes us to get into debt in the first place. I think there are three main reasons why people use credit cards. One 
it is an emergency. Sometimes there is an emergency that comes up and people don't have the resources, so they use the credit card. It might be a medical emergency. It might be a hospital procedure. And what, what choice do you have when there's not resources mm-hmm. available and you have a credit card handy? You're going to take care of yourself. And this is something that when I'm coaching someone, I always really stress that when you're in a place of need, because it's a basic need, like food, clothing, shelter, medical you're not going to make a determination to stay out of debt when it's a specific basic need, right? Because you can't just say, well, you know, I don't have money to buy food, so I'll just wait a couple months and then I'll eat. Right. No, or, or I have a medical and procedure. And we don't recommend it. If, <laughs> if, if, no. you, if it's between going into debt or eating food, now basic food, not yeah. you know luxury fine dining, right. but if it's between you having rice and beans and chicken and eggs versus you know starving and going into debt go ahead and go into debt and eat we want you to live (laughs) and stay healthy yeah absolutely but the point is that we get into these situations sometimes because of an emergency another one is that we impulse buy right what causes that not having a plan right no plan in place it always kind of goes back to the budget doesn't david yeah it's a good place to start i think it's one of those things that you have to realize that without a budget without something that tells you how to spend on purpose you're going to see things that you want and there's not going to be a lot of barriers to you stopping yourself from doing it. Mm-hmm. If there's not a plan that helps you to see from beginning to end what your plan is, what you're trying to do, you walk through the store or you see that item on TV and the next thing you know, you're justifying how you can make it happen. And a lot of times we do it through debt because we don't have the extra resources. We just say, well, I can afford that payment per month mm-hmm. even if I can't afford to buy it in cash. And as unfortunate. So that's the second way. And then the third one, of course, is just living beyond your means, which, again, goes back to the fact that you don't have a plan and you're spending more than you're actually bringing in. Yeah. And I see most of the time that it goes into living beyond your means. It's namely from people just not being educated about some of the major financial purchases Mm. that they're making. Uh, This is huge in home buying or in renting, uh, in your first car purchase. So much of what we do is just move forward with what the salesman says or what the realtor says that we can afford. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, if you're not well educated on what you're buying, especially with homes, uh, A, you may end up with way too much debt on the home, so you can't really afford the monthly payment. B, you've got to realize that you're going to have to pay insurance and taxes and that this is something that is going to affect your life for the next 15, 20, 30 years, depending on what kind of loan you get. Right. And that your insurance is going to go up over time. Your taxes are going to go up over time. You're going to have home repairs. So I think most of the time what I've seen is I've counseled people, uh, I don't know, I'd probably say at least 70% of the time, honestly, is that people are paying a little bit too much for their home. And if you're paying just 5% more of your budget than you should towards your home, mm-hmm. that's taking away five percentage points from a bunch of other categories. Right. And so it's taking away from how much you can purchase in food. It's taking away from your health insurance. It's taking away from your car maintenance. Mm-hmm. So maybe you could afford the car and the house and your grocery bill. But as soon as you have an issue with your car, a car repair that you weren't expecting, yeah. those five percentage points of your overall budget really hurt because some of that should have been going into saving for your car. Some should have been going into saving for maintenance around the house. And a lot of people are like, well, no, I, I can make all my month to month payments except for this one month when I had something unexpected. Right. 
the the unexpected thing actually came because the home was a little bit too expensive and you haven't been saving. And so I would just say, you know, living beyond your income, yes, it's definitely accredited to the marketing and the materialistic culture that we're in, but it's also just a lack of education sometimes. And mm-hmm. I was in the same boat until I learned from you, Leo, and other financial experts what it looks like to change your financial life. Yeah, that's really good because what it does really is help us to understand that a budget will help you to have that overall perspective, right? And that's the wonderful thing about a budget is that it allows you to see what percentage you're putting in each one of these categories. And on leosabo.com, there's a spending guideline that's part of the forms that we provide that'll tell you if your housing is too high or too low, uh, where it's at, percentage guidelines. give you a percentage guideline it. based on income. So based on family type and income, you can plug in your numbers and see how far off am I? Because mm-hmm. these are based on people who successfully manage money. So if your house is at 35%, but the guideline says you should be at 28%, that's 7% difference. So if you have a 7% difference, there's at least one category that goes completely unfunded. Yes, yes. We talk about the 60% rule, that if your housing your transportation and your food, usually it's about 60%. Housing is about 30% on the average. Food is about 15%. Automotive expenses, 15%. That equals 60%. So that leaves you 40%, right? Because you only have 100%. Right. You can't spend beyond <laughs> that without right. debt. But if you have 40%, and in a typical budget, you have nine to 12 categories, mm-hmm. depending on how you break it down. So if three of them take away 60%, mm-hmm. and let's just say there's nine in total, there's six, right? Six that have to take up 40%. Mm-hmm. When you divide 40 by six, you're going to get about six and a half percent. Yep. Right? There's one category that you're underfunding, or you might be underfunding each category by one or two percent. So, my point here is that without realizing it, you're underfunding very important parts of your budget. Right. And that's when the credit card comes out because mm-hmm. you're mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm doing my best, but. This is an emergency. Yeah. And the funny thing is that you're not getting to go on date night. You're not having personal spending money. You're not being able to buy gifts at Christmas for people. And you think, hey, I'm living dramatically below my means. Like I spend no money. I never go to the movies. I never go to baseball games. My life is so difficult. And really the one place that you probably overspent is in housing And if you were to lower your housing costs, and that may mean losing a bedroom or going from a two car garage to a one car garage, or, you know, there, there are some sacrifices that may need to be had, Mm -hmm. but it would allow you to have a date night if you're married and be able to actually go out with your spouse every week. It would allow you to pay for your kids' baseball games and be able to put them in a league. It would allow you to have a little bit more flex in the rest of your life. And so just be aware that it's always one of the top three issues in every budget that I run into. Um, I'd say it's very rare to find somebody who the first time they purchase a home does it well and it doesn't end up causing them to pinch in the future. Yeah. Okay. So we touched on that because we wanted you to be aware how debt comes about. Because when you know how it's happening, you can look around and realize or maybe self-assess and say, how did I get here? Yeah. And usually it's through one of those avenues. It's impulse buying and it's an emergency that came up. And some of those you can't plan for. For most of those you can. When you have an emergency fund, what we call a stability fund, mm-hmm. it allows you to have money for those medical procedures, for that car that has a, a, an expense that's a repair expense that's higher than it should be. But if you have those plans in place, 
it removes a lot of those from you so that credit cards are no longer a necessity. That's what we want for you guys. We don't want credit cards to be a way of life. It's not your emergency fund. It's not your backup plan. It should only be used, in our opinion, if you can pay them off at the end of, the, of, mm -hmm. of each month. In fact, that's an agreement that Natalie and I made when we first got on a budget 20-some years ago. And we said that if we ever cannot pay the full monthly payment of the credit card at the end of the month, then we'll cut it up and we never use it again. Wow. Because we knew at that point we're not willing to be disciplined enough to buy within our budget and within our means. And if we're not willing to do that, then we need to cut it up because it meant our financial future is at stake here. Yeah. So we've always paid it off at the end of the month. We've never had to cut it up. Mm -hmm. And we've had one credit card for like 25 years. Oh, or wow. My point in that is really just to say you have to make a commitment to do this in a way that, that you're honest with yourself, first and foremost. And then, again, at the core of all of this is, is going to be a plan that allows you to spend on purpose, to save before you spend, so that you can build that margin, so that credit mm. cards are not something you use. You only use it as a convenience to make a payment, but it's always from a budget uh, that you spend, not not just impulse buying or whatever. That's right. That's right. So right now I'm over at leosabo.com and I'm beginning to look at the first tool that we're going to introduce because there is a process mm -hmm. as you begin to put together a plan to remove debt from your life. Yep. And so we're going to walk you through that step by step so that as you begin to tackle this, you have milestones. There are things that you can look back on and say, okay, you know, when I started this journey, it was the beginning of 2020. And I said, I want to be out of debt this decade. And so what's the first thing I'm going to do? Well, the first thing I'm going to do is make a list of all my debts. And even just the act of starting that, just writing down all your debts in a list, that alone is a major milestone because you've actively said to yourself, I'm making this a priority. I'm writing it down. I'm taking the time to go through all my statements and learn exactly how much I owe. I'm looking at the minimum payments. I'm looking at my interest rate. I'm actually going to articulate and look at and understand how much I owe today. That is a major step. I want to mm -hmm. applaud you for that. Go to leosebo.com. I'm on the website right now. Go to resources and then scroll down. It's like the third or fourth tool. It is the debt payoff plan. I'm looking at it right now. I've got it pulled up. And on the debt payoff plan, you're going to be able to create your own list of debts. It's got a room for 15 debts here. Uh, if you need to, you can expand it further or you can end up using two of these tools. But just, just listing it, not even worrying about the math yet, just taking right. the time to put Chase, Wells Fargo, uh, you know, MasterCard, Visa card, uh, student loan, car payment, furniture payment, dog payment, all these different things, write it down. That is a major first step in the right direction. Yeah. And while you're there on that form, it's going to ask you for three pieces of information. First, the balance, then the minimum payment, and last, the interest rate. And all of you can get that either from your app, from your bank yeah, app that yeah. you're using from your credit card, or from your bank statement, from the credit card statement. Because th those three pieces of information are going to be important. Because one of the things you'll have to figure out is what is the total minimum payment that's going toward debt. Mm -hmm. In the budget itself, we have a category called debt, debt payments. And that number, by the way, in the budget itself, we don't actually allocate a percentage toward that. Because ideally, you don't want to have debt that's carrying from month to month to month. So this does not include a car payment. It does not include a mortgage payment. It's just unsecured 
personal loans, those kind of things. But you have to know what the minimum payment is for all of your debt. So let's say your minimum payment is $700 per month, all of them combined, your total. That form will help you to determine what that number is. If it's $700, then we'll have to figure out, do you have $700 in your budget mm, mm -hmm. in order to pay these minimum payments? And if not, then we're going to go to the next step. So first step, make a list. Make sure you get the balance of all of your debt and what the minimum payment is. And then the second, make a list of your monthly needs. Not wants, but needs. Mm -hmm. Yeah, this is huge. I've got right in front of me from leosabo.com under the resources section, I've got the creating your budget tool. It's step number two on there. And what I love, Leo, is I'm clicking here and there's how to watch. There's a tutorial to watch you go through each one of these tools mm -hmm. step by step. So we're not going to teach you each tool in depth on this podcast because we have a video that walks you through step by step. Right. And the video I'm looking at, it's three minutes long for this creating your budget tool. But the important thing here is that it gives you all of the categories that you're going to need to create an effective budget. Mm -hmm. And you're going to start at the top with your income. Uh, you're going to start by giving, and then you're going to move into food and housing, miscellaneous categories. But what you're going to do when you're in debt and you're ready and willing to knock that out is you're going to go to your needs, the basic things. You're not going to go to those additional wants, uh, the things that you're craving and desiring. This is to say, okay, exactly what do I owe and exactly what do I need to live on every month. And the difference is what you're going to have left over at the end of the month to begin to attack your debt aggressively. Yeah. The idea here is that you want to make sure that you are as aggressive as you can be in cutting some of these expenses down. Because the idea as far as paying down your debt is you have to pay more than a minimum payment. If you pay the minimum payment for the next 20 years, you might still be paying some of those credit cards. So what we want you to do is to find out what is the amount of money that I can set aside. Now, hopefully you can do the minimum payments, but ideally it'd be great if you could do more than the minimum payments. Absolutely. So instead of let's say 700 a month, maybe you have 1100 extra. So now you can put an extra $400 on that debt snowball on that first debt and just begin to knock it out. So that's one of the things you'll have to do is to make sure that you identify those needs, but do it in such a way that you're cutting out all the fluff. Yeah. This is not going to be easy. Nothing worthwhile hmm. is easy, right? Remember the phrase, no pain, no gain. No pain, no this gain. This is not going to be walking through the field and enjoying the lilies. It's going to be hard. You're going to have to pull back on some of the things that you've been doing, but in the end, you're going to be so, so happy, so grateful that you've gone through this and you've eliminated this debt from your life. That's right. And I remember when I first did this, it was actually before I got married and I chose to live with family for a season mm -hmm. so that I could have very low needs right? and I wouldn't be purchasing any of my wants. I didn't go buy a new car, a new computer, a new TV. I lived as low below my means as possible, kept my expenses extremely low so that I had a large number to throw at my debt snowball. Mm -hmm. And what I did is I just listed out my debts and I attacked the smallest one first. It was a small medical debt. This thing was like around $2,500. And I attacked that thing. So it was gone in less than three months. Yep. 
And immediately I'm getting this huge like, oh my goodness, that feels great. Now I can move on to my car payment. Then I can move on to my student loans. And so what I was looking at was this debt snowball where you hit the smallest one first with as much as possible. Mm -hmm. And then you roll all of that money down to the next one. So you have a huge payment then going to your next debt. And then as soon as it's paid off, you roll all that money down to the next debt. And if you have 15 debts, great. Hit that smallest one first mm-hmm. and go piece by piece. And I would say do everything you can to, to lower the needs in your life, uh, even to the point of living with family for a season or, or finding a roommate or maybe even subletting your home. If you have a house, renting out a room in one of your you know, rooms. I have a friend that for almost his entire adult life, he's rented out a room to somebody in one of his spare bedrooms. And it's allowed him to, uh, at some point he did two or three people and it was paying for his mortgage as he went. Yeah. Right. And so, uh, so do whatever it takes, uh, healthy boundaries, right. But be aggressive mm-hmm. in this first year and, and, and attack this debt really yep. heavily. Yep. Along with that, uh, look around the house, maybe look at your vehicle mm-hmm. and see what can you really cut out. Can you maybe downsize to a cash car instead Ooh. of having that car payment? Yeah. You know, typically if you have a car payment that's more than 12 to 24 months before you pay it off, it's a big commitment when you're really trying to get out of debt. Mm-hmm. So it would be ideal if you can sell that vehicle, especially if you have a little bit of equity in it, and then turn around and buy a cash car. Now, I just sold a cash car the other day. My son-in-law and my daughter bought uh, a truck for him. And they had this 2005 Honda Civic that they had for, I don't know, six or seven, eight years. And I fixed it up. I cleaned it up. It was a good car to begin with, but it needed a little detailing cleaning before I sold it. And I sold it for $2,500. Oh, that's great. And a young man bought it. He's a college student, second year at at A&M. And that car is going to last him at least through college, possibly, hopefully through his first or second year of, of his career. And... What a great thing for the dad to do to help him buy a car that was affordable. Mm-hmm. $2,500. Some, yeah, and something that was paid with cash, which yes. I appreciated. And this person now doesn't have to have this debt on top of any other expenses that they've mm-hmm. got going to college. And the dad doesn't have to worry about a car payment, maybe. And so my, our point here is, is there's ways to cut back where you're not losing the value. You still have a car. still takes you A to B. Yep. It may not be something as comfortable as your dive from nine and a half. That's right. But there's time for that. You can do that later. And you can do it in a way that doesn't have the debt associated with it. So the thought here is look around your home, look around for a cheaper vehicle, find ways that you can cut back on some of this debt. Yes, you can make the payments and even add to the payments. And that's one way to do it. But you can also tackle it from the other end. What if you knocked out some of the balances by either selling the items mm-hmm. and getting something cheaper uh, or finding things around the house that you haven't used that somebody else could appreciate and you could sell those things and make some big payments on that debt. That's right. That, that could Selling take stuff you is huge. two, three years into the future. Well, especially if you have a $20,000 car loan mm-hmm. and that makes up half of your debt. Yeah. I mean, what if you could sell it for 20000 and get into a $5,000 vehicle? Even if you carried $5,000 of debt for that yeah. vehicle, yeah. it's not going to depreciate quickly. So you'll always be able to sell it for what it's worth or at least mm-hmm. what you owe on it. Right. And, and then you've knocked your debt down by $15,000 in about one week. 
That's awesome. So be aware, you can make progress on this and it's going to take time. It's not always easy, but just making the first step of writing down your debts and then going into that second step of building out your budget. These are major milestones. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I cannot tell you enough how amazing it is. If you go through and do each one of these, you're going to get some major wind in your sails. You're going to see a change in your finances and there will be a difference. I have I've literally counseled hundreds of people through this exact process. Mm -hmm. And I have seen their eyes light up with joy in less than seven weeks as they begin to do each one of these steps and it begin to change the way they, they handle their finances. So uh, dealing with that, it's not fun, but it is awesome mm -hmm. to see it just get smacked around after yeah. you begin this process. All right. So today we're talking about the debt snowball and how important it is to go after the smallest debt first because of the quick wins that it gives you. Uh, there's actually been studies done by the Kellogg School of Business and Northwestern. Multiple business schools have gone through and studied that people using the debt snowball method, which we recommend and applies right into the tool that we have. If you use that method, it helps you to get those quick wins, feel good, and really be way more likely to pay off all your debt. That's what we recommend. But I do want you to be aware and just, you know, self-aware of high interest rate loans that may be in your list of debts. And if there's one that is just a little bit larger, but has a way higher interest rate, and it makes sense, and you're going to use wisdom to maybe move it up a little bit, that's okay. It's okay to, to tackle the super high interest rate loans, uh, but I would still in general, focus on the quick wins, mm -hmm. the quick victories, especially if you're married, because then the two of you in unity are removing debt from your life. Hey, we paid off one credit card. Great. We paid off a furniture loan. Great. We paid off one of our vehicles. I would rather have you make progress together in the first six months to a year. Even if you pay a little more interest. Even if you pay another I, I hundred bucks that. in interest, yep. 200 bucks in interest. Even if you have a, a, a I don't know, a $10,000 loan with a 10% interest rate, uh, that's $1,000. But if you're going to pay it off in six months, it's not affecting your life very mm -hmm. much. So be aware. That's a huge loan with a huge interest rate. So be aware that the interest, uh, it does matter. And so use wisdom, but we typically recommend the debt snowball. Yeah, I mean, if you're not getting any wins six months in, you're not paying anything off, you still say, have those five or six debts on that list it'll feel like you're not making any progress. It doesn't matter if the balance is lower. Honestly, it, psychologically, it makes such a big difference. David and I have done so many classes and workshops where we've seen this play out, where people will come back and we'll do a testimony time at the beginning of the workshop, mm -hmm. and people will get up and say, I paid off one credit card today. And I mean, there's just so much satisfaction in that. And we want you to experience that because that's what's going to motivate you every single month to tackle the next debt and the next debt and the next debt. And if you don't have those wins early on, there's a good chance that you might lose traction. Oh, yeah. And we don't want you to lose traction. We don't want you to lose that ability to pursue this goal because it's a worthwhile goal. Now, a couple other things to consider as you're moving through this process. Again, we'll just do a quick review here. You make a list of all your debt. Use the debt snowball to make sure you have an accurate list. You know what the balance is. You know what the minimum payments are. You know what the interests are so that you can put them in order. Once you've done that, begin to look at creating a budget. The form on the leosabo.com will help you to do that. It'll help you to put that budget together. A very important part here, cannot miss this. 
you have to build savings hmm. into your budget. If you don't put savings to your budget, now I know most of you are thinking, how can I save when I'm upside down? Here's the reality. If you don't begin to save, you will never, ever get out of debt. Debt is only there because you didn't have the resources to avoid borrowing. Mm -hmm. You didn't have the money to pull from saving for the item you bought, right. so you just used a credit card. And especially when it comes to basic needs, if there's no money set aside somewhere for the future, you're going to take care of that need. You have to take care of that need. Right. And you're going to use the credit card or you're going to borrow from that family member. And that's something we want you to not do. So the only way you're going to avoid that is when you create a budget that actually builds savings right in. Yeah, we consider it a need. It's, uh, it's a category it's in a category, the budget. Right. And, and for me personally, giving is at the top because biblically speaking, Ashley and I are always going to tithe, mm -hmm. even if we were in debt, even at the time when we were in debt. Uh, we were both individually tithing because we weren't married at the time. Yeah. And as soon as we got married, we were tithing. It For us, giving, and I'd say not even giving, but returning the first 10% and just saying, God, it all belongs to you. So I'm going to put the first 10% before you and submit it to you. That That is a need as well in my mm -hmm. budget. Now, yeah. I realize if you're not a Christian and you don't have that conviction, maybe it's not a need in your budget. I'll tell you, it'll change your finances. I'll mm. tell you, I recommend it still. <laughs> yeah, me too. <laughs> uh, but, but the savings is still going to be a need. Yep. For us, the giving is a need. The food is a need. Basic housing, basic clothing. There are basic transportation. You got to get to and from work. Sure. There are some real needs and, and it can make things a little bit tight. That's okay. Hit the needs first. Mm. Make sure that savings is there and then begin to go aggressively attack this debt. Yeah, that's good. Because you have the energy and emotional the emotional energy, the emotional ability to go out into the workplace and to win and to keep earning and to grow your career and to learn and grow. When you have food, clothing, shelter, transportation, you're able to mentally go further. And that's a good thing. So that's why I say put the needs first and savings should be one of those needs. That stability fund helps you weather the future bumps that are going to come. And as you're paying off debt, there's going to be some bumps. Sure. And we would rather use that emergency stability fund than use a credit card and go further into debt. Yeah, and let me address, I think, uh, a pushback that sometimes I hear from people. is like they'll start saving, and let's say they can only save 50 a month. So they put $50 a month for the next four or five months. So they got maybe two, $300 in there. And then something happens to the car because they haven't been putting money aside for maintenance. They just started budgeting three, four months ago. So things are still still kind of tight. And they'll say, oh, you know, this broke and it was $300. And, we, you know, it emptied out our savings account. This stuff doesn't work. And what I tell them is, wait a minute. Did you have to borrow the $300 or did you use your savings? Well, we used your savings, but it emptied. Yes, you used your savings because it was there. You didn't have to borrow yes. an extra $300. Yes. And because you didn't have to borrow the $300, you didn't have to pay interest on that $300 mm -hmm. for the next X amount of time. So don't worry about it. Don't worry about the what if, what if, what if. Just make steady progress. Keep doing these things. These are principles that work, not because David and I talk about them. It's because they just work. They've been around for a long time. This mm -hmm. is just basic finance, basic math. And if you consistently do this, I'm going to tell you from having a lot of experience in this, just as David has, we've worked with a lot of folks who, when they stick it out, and I'm telling you, one of the things that I can never quite hmm. understand, I can only say it's a God thing because I believe it is a God thing. But when you start doing these, it's like the water's part, so to speak, and the sea's part, and you just have this smooth path. Things just starting to happen. And I love that because I do believe that when you put your faith 
in doing the right things, in abiding by these principles, they just work. It's like yeah. gravity. Yeah. It's a principle. It works the way it's supposed to. This is the same thing. So don't worry about meager startups. Don't hmm. worry about, oh, I can only save this much. We're going to walk through this process in more detail as we move forward. But remember, the first three steps is make a list of all of your debt so that you know how much it needs to go out. Create that budget. If you haven't done it yet, you've and if you listened to us long enough, it's time. Hmm, that's it's right. It's time. It's 2020, January. It's time. Yep. Put a stick in the ground and that's say, right. this is it. Yep. From this point forward, I'm going to manage my money successfully. And you can do that with the budget. And then the third thing is look around, see if you can sell some things, if you can reduce some of these expenses, some of this debt, I should say, so that you can take a huge leap forward and maybe minimize that time frame. Uh, from maybe eight years to, to complete debt payoff to maybe three years. That's right. You just never know. That's right. So I I want to encourage you that if as we're going through this, you're getting fired up, that's a good thing. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's why we have the show and that's why we do it every single week. So to have encouragement, continued motivation. Every day you take a shower, every week you got to get some getting money right and you got to right. get that motivation to keep moving forward. If you're feeling any fear at all about this process or you're worried because you've run some of these numbers in the past and you're looking at a scenario where you don't have enough money at the end of your budget of your needs to pay all of your minimum payments, the next episode is for you. We are going to spend a bunch of time on going through what is called in the industry debt settlement, but we're not looking at necessarily just settling our debt. We're looking at how do we walk through and remove this debt from our life in a moral way that's filled with great communication, mm -hmm. high ethics. How do I remove this debt? Even if I'm in a place today where I can't make all my payments. Right. And I can tell you, you're not alone. 70% right, right. <laughs> of people with a credit card have at least one delinquent account. I mean, that's crazy, mm -hmm. but that's where we are today in America. 70% of people that have debt, I said a credit card, but that have debt have at least one delinquent account in America. Now, I'm not saying that everybody is there, but a surprising number of people are struggling with this. Mm -hmm. You're not alone. We're going to give you some cool tools, some good ideas, and we're going to walk you through exactly how to communicate. It's going to be a great episode. Oh, totally agree. I can't wait. Well, we want to thank you so much for joining us for this episode. We hope that the last two episodes have really fired you up to pursue this getting out of debt journey because it really will completely change your life. And we just want to thank you for sharing this podcast. This is one of those series that you really need to share. I guarantee you, I don't care who you share this with, it will. Seven out of 10 people will out of 10. really benefit from this because it's just the statistics. There's a lot of folks that are struggling and you sharing it is a loving thing that you can, you can say, hey, here's something on debt. I don't know if this pertains to you or not. They don't even have to to admit to it or anything, just share it with them and just say, hey, I found this helpful. Hopefully you will too. If you would do that for us, it would mean so much to us. The reason we do what we do is to be able to impact more people and you can help us with that. So please share this podcast. You can also go to leosabo.com. You'll find all the content, the resources, the forms we walked through over the last couple episodes. And then also go to stewardshipastors.com. David's book, Jesus on Money is coming out soon. So please go and buy one. Just pre-order a copy so that when it comes out, you'll be one of the first people to get it. Also, there's videos, resources, a bunch of great content there for pastors and spiritual leaders, and I know it'll bless you and your congregation. If you're a Christian, you need to see this website and you need to benefit from it, and by all means, send your pastor to it. I think they will be uh, richly blessed by it.
Well, we want to thank you so much for joining us, and we look forward to having you join us next time so that together we We can can keep keep getting money right. Multiple business schools have gone through and studied that people using the debt snowball method, which we recommend and applies right into the tool that we have, if you use that method, it helps you to get those quick wins, feel good, and really be way more likely to pay off all your debt.